Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Man, you got smiling faces out there. I don't see anybody sleeping yet. Not yet, right? Not yet. We'll wait for it. We'll wait for it. Hey, good morning, and it is really, really good to be with you on this Independence Day. And uh, uh, this morning, uh, we're starting a new series. It's going to be a three-parter. It's called Fire and Water. And Wapak Naz, you and I are going to embark on a journey that has been unprecedented here at Wapak Naz in my tenure um, about eight years ago. Um, we firmly believe that uh, in discipleship, meaning that we are learners and followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And that conversations and words and lessons are really, really important. So the unprecedented thing that we're, we're about to embark on this month, starting from our elementary, those kids that are in elementary, all the way to our seasoned vets, that includes you. We are learning, listening, and jumping into the same stories all month long. So this morning, the story, the biblical story that we're about to embark on, your kids upstairs will be learning this morning. And next week, as we talk about Peter walking on water and Jesus walking on water and Jesus saving Peter from the water, your kids, our kids, will be learning the same exact lesson in two weeks we're going to be jumping into the full armor of God and learning how to employ that against the enemy's attacks. Your kids, our kids, our Wapak Naz family will be learning the same thing. And on Slime Sunday, they ain't upstairs, they're right here with you. And we're all going to be learning together. Like I said, we firmly believe that in discipleship, whether it's Wednesday nights with Engage for our youth and digging deeper for our, our adults, whether it's our eight-week uh, trek study, which uh, Jay would say it's a 52-week study instead of eight weeks, uh, whether it's our baptism studies, whether it's our life groups, we firmly believe in discipleship. And this is going to afford an opportunity. All of us learning together the same thing is going to afford us the opportunity to, one, have common ground across the board. Um, your kids in Treasure Bay and Lilypad. They won't be listening to this story. But those elementary kids, when they get into your car, you're going to know that they listened to this story, that they read this story, that they heard this story, that they talked about this in small group today. And this is going to afford the opportunity for you to create conversation. And actually, you might learn something from them in that conversation wonder about that right we can definitely learn from our kids and they're going to be able to learn from you 
So I kind of imagine this story, whether or this, this conversation in the car or at the lunch table or sometime later this week. Hey, what did you learn today? What did you guys talk about? Oh, we learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what? So did we. No kidding? You did too? Well, what was your favorite part of the story? What stuck out to you? Well, they were in the fire. That was pretty cool. Well, yeah. What else was really interesting? This is going to afford you to have an opportunity to have a conversation. And it reminds us that discipleship, raising our kids, raising our family, starts in the home with you. They are your first disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and lo, I'm with you always till the end of the age. Discipleship starts with you in your home. This is just the added bonus. And so, in case you fall asleep, there's the Parent Q app. And the Parent Q app will have the Bible story on there. So you can review the Bible story that you fell asleep in during the service. Cool? I'm really excited about this month. We've never done this before. But I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. And I really, I mean, I would like to know if you do have those conversations. And, folks, if you don't have kids upstairs, you can also ask them, hey, what did you learn today? It's okay to have them have a conversation with the kids you probably don't know. It's okay. So, today, we're going to jump right in to this new series, Fire and Water. Now, Upstairs, it's called Press Play, Get in the Mix. Down here, it's fire and water, same scripture, same story, and you're going to le learn a little bit more than what they're going to learn. So we're going to jump in, and I'd ask that you go to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13 through 30. And before you, we jump into that scripture, there's some things that we need to know, because this story about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we have to have a little bit of background on this before we jump in. It's not just three guys that go into a fire. That's probably what they're going to learn upstairs. That you can trust that God is with you always, right? But this is more than three guys in a fire. So, let's retrace some steps, shall we? I'm going to give a brief Bible nerd history lesson this is the moment you can probably fall asleep, and that's okay. But you might be interested to know that back in 597, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, was a commander Nebuchadnezzar. And at that point, he went towards the west and moved south. He thwarted the Egyptian strongholds and made his way all the way south into Judah. And in 597, he took Jerusalem. The entire city. And he took the entire province of Judah. Ten years later, in 587, Nebuchadnezzar actually, and his military, actually destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. This is what we learn in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah of the rebuilding of the city. The rebuilding of the walls. The rebuilding of the temple. But in 587, the temple was crushed. Jerusalem was crushed and besieged. And in, as a result of the destruction, 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands who hadn't been deported before are now deported. They are displaced from their home. And they become strangers in a strange land at a strange time. And with those that become strangers in a strange land and a strange time are included Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But see, it doesn't really make sense for a government and a country, a ruler, to have a bunch of people in their own country if those people don't learn the culture. In fact, now King Nebuchadnezzar began to do a campaign for those new deported, newly deported, and newly arrived strangers in a strange land and strange time. So, in his campaign, in Daniel chapter 1, we find that he ordered the chief official to bring some of the Israelites, those that are of the royal family, those that are of nobility, and they must be young without defect, they must be handsome, but more importantly, they needed to show aptitude of learning. They needed to be quick on their feet. They needed to be well informed and quick to understand. What was King Nebuchadnezzar doing? What was the government doing? They were enculturating, enculturing the new folk. Because they wanted the strangers in the new, in the strange land and in the strange time to become more like the same. They wanted to, them to learn the literature and the worldview and the culture. And so, of those individuals that they were going to teach the literature and the language of Babylon for three years and enter into king's service, we find Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. These four gentlemen who met the requirements of the government to be trained up for three years. And interesting that the government actually had them change their names. They were given new names. More so, this means that they are aware that they are no longer in a familiar place. They are no longer in a place that is like them, with people that are like them, who think like them, who understand life through their eyes. No, Daniel was given a new name. And I will absolutely just demolish this name, but let's try it. Belshazzar. And Hananiah was given the name Shadrach. Mishael was given the name Meshach. And Azariah, the new name Abednego. We must understand that their names are very significant. Daniel's name is the God who judges. Hananiah. Hananiah's name means the God who gives grace. Mishael. Mishael's name actually mean, means who is that of God? Who is that of God? And Azariah. Azariah means the Lord has helped. The Babylonian Empire has now brought them in to enculturate them, to teach them their worldview 
to teach them their literature and their language. And also has even gone to the very extent to change their names and what they mean. And so, we have that these men went through the training for three years. And after the three years, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, they were found to be above and beyond anyone else in the kingdom of Babylon when the king had questioned them. And in fact, we find that Daniel, in a time where every one of the wise men were called upon to interpret a dream of the king, Daniel was the only one, by the grace of God, by the favor of God, and by the insight of God, Daniel was the one in all the land that was able to interpret the dream. And with that, the king rewarded Daniel and put him in charge of the province of Babylon. And Daniel didn't forget. Daniel did not forget his brothers in faith. Those that were strangers in a strange land. He actually put a request into the king and was granted that request that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were given administrative positions below Daniel in the province of Babylon. And then we learn in Daniel chapter 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm just going to call him Nebo because you're going to throw things at me when I continue to say Nebuchadnezzar through the rest of the sermon. But Nebo, there you go, tomatoes, apples, it doesn't matter. It's good. It keeps everybody else entertained, right? Making sure you're awake. King Nebo, he decided to have a 90-foot by 9-foot wide statue of an image made of gold erected in the plain of Dura. And in that, he also decided that there's a decree issued across the land. And this decree was that everyone who hears the sound of all kinds of music, they were to bow down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not, they will be thrown in to a blazing furnace of fire. How wonderful. What a great moment, right? This is what we're teaching your kids. <laughs> it's in the Bible. And this is the dilemma. This is the dilemma, isn't it? We have a government that issued a decree to the exiles, to the strangers in the, new, in the strange land. He issued a decree to everybody. Be loyal to the king. Follow the decree. Follow the law. So, when in Rome, do as the Romans, right? When in Babylon, do as the Babylons, Babylonians do, or you die. And so, the dilemma for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah is what do we do? What do we do? We're told by the government 
to bow down and worship this image of gold. This is to show loyalty to the king, to be encultured, to follow the stream of consciousness in the culture. What are we to do? Because there's also another law that they're fully aware of. Exodus chapter 20. God lays out a law. It's called the Big Ten. We call it the Big Ten, right? You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not bow down and worship any idols. You shall not make any graven images of anything in heaven or on earth or the seas below. And you certainly should not bow down and worship them. I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God. You are to worship the Lord your God alone. Right? The Big Ten. That's the big one of the Big Ten. What do we do? We've been given a position of prominence. It's afforded us a lot of opportunity. What do we do? So we pick up the story right here in Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Huh, seems like they made a decision. Seems that they made a decision not to worship the image of gold. Seems that they made a decision not to follow the government's decree that goes against the law of God. Wow, they're in a tight space. Rock, hard place, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right in the middle. This is tough. Now they're called to the principal's office. And they're being called out on the carpet. Let's continue. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and the pipes, and all other kinds of music... If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Very interesting reply. O Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. That's when a lot of people in church would go, Amen! Woohoo! All right! Yes! Go! Have at it! Give it to them! Sock them! Right? But wait for it. It gets a little bit better. And it gets a little bit more tighter in that rock and hard place. Mm. Then, O king, 
But even if he does not rescue them, save them from the fire, even if God doesn't do it, ah, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's when the church typically is like this, really, really quiet. Because faith has cost them, right? Faith in God, faith in Christ, it's cost them, and it's cost them their life. And God didn't do what they thought he might do, but they still believed him, right? I don't hear any amens. Preach it, brother, go on, have at it. All right, let's keep going. As you insist. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers of, in his army up, uh, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound... Why does Daniel mention that? It's because they were wearing the same things that everybody else did. They had become encultured, ingrained in the Babylonian culture. And Daniel wanted to point out that, guess what? Their clothes may look like it, but their hearts, not at all. Let's keep going. The king's command was so urgent the furnace and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebo leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire or threw into the fire? Certainly, O king, they replied. He said, Look! I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. He was only, the only way he could interpret it was through his worldview. But we know that wasn't the son of the gods, it was the son of God. This was, this was God himself right there, right in the midst of the fire. Let's continue. Nebo then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. I kind of wonder if they just kind of like nonchalantly just stepped out, like, hey, what's up? What's going on? We're having a good time. Everything all right out here? Because this is good. I don't know. I like to interpret it that way. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebo said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him defied the king's command. Whoa, oh, defied the king's command. That's good. And were willing to give up their lives. Their faith cost them something. And they were willing to pay the cost. Rather than serve or worship any 
God except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then, Nebo promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Heavenly Father, as we move forward here, I honestly ask that your Holy Spirit speak loud and clear beyond my voice, beyond the words on my page. May you speak deep into our spirit, to our DNA, speak deep to our faith and the decisions that we'll need to make as we live out our faith in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, teach all of us, including myself. It's in your name that we ask these things today, Jesus. So, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do or die, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. As you've noticed, I continue to call them by their Hebrew names. Not the names that we often know them by. Because if you're in the church, if you know this story at all, Church folk will, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they will fail to know the actual names Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know Daniel by his Hebrew name, but there's something about these three men who stood in the gap when the hand of the government forced them. It's interesting to me that the church has always been at its best when we are forced to the margins, to the outside, when we have been pressed with pressure from those around us, particularly those laws and decrees, whether it's in our nation or throughout history. We have come to a time that we never thought we would come to. Did we? I actually was reviewing a book that I had picked up years ago. It's called Embracing Exile by T. Scott Daniels. He's, he's a Nazarene. I read the first few chapters years ago and I put it down. And I, I knew that it talked a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon. So I went through and started reading some of the chapters. And in the margin, years ago, I actually wrote something pre-pandemic in reference to a statement. Exile also brings a loss of practices, habits, and places of familiarity. Think about the Judeans in exile trying to continue their worship of God. Only now 
There was no holy city. There was no Jerusalem. No temple in which to worship. And none of the rituals of the priestly tradition to rely on. I wrote in the margin, pre-pandemic, what do you do when there is no building? What do we do? What do we do when there's no building? What do we do when there are decrees across the land that say you cannot worship the Lord your God the way you used to? What do you do when you are pressed in the hinges by something well out of your control? What do you do? What do we do? Pressure will come. Amy and I, years ago, before we even opened the store, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that we opened the store was the church will not be the same in 20 to 25 years. It won't be. And in order to minister and to love and bring the gospel, we have to have another avenue that doesn't look like the building. Things have sped up a lot faster, haven't they? You can feel it, can't you? We may not be exiled from our land. Right? Your home's still the home that you live in. Hopefully. I know many who have left their states to go to other states. But for the most part, home is still home. But it is strangely unfamiliar. It's that weird feeling. What do we do? What do we do? I think the lessons come out of this text. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not just about three guys in a fire hanging out with God. It's really about three guys who are pushed and forced to make a decision about their faith in God, who they follow. And when the pressure does come on the hinges, they choose to follow the Lord their God. This is like the the vampire sermon that Jesus has. Drink my blood, eat my body. And there's a lot of people listening to that sermon and they go, oh, that's pretty heavy teaching. I can't do that. And they walk away. They walk away. Now we know what Jesus was really saying, right? He knew what he was saying. The sacrifice on the cross, the blood of Christ. He is the bread of life. By his blood we are forgiven of sins. But they, they couldn't follow. It was hard. hard your faith will cost you something and if it hasn't cost you anything yet mm, we got to look at James and what he says faith without works is dead is it dying is it on the respirator does it need revived and some CPR 
This is not an easy sermon to preach. It's not an easy sermon to hear. But it's something that we have to wrestle with. We have to consider in our day and our time. Because I can tell you this. When you're in exile, when you're strangers in a strange time, glory days cannot be reborn. Not at all. Got to let go. Because we are to embrace exile. Whoa, wait a second. What do you mean? Embrace exile? Understand that kind of like Joseph's story. At the very end of Joseph's story, he said, what was intended for my harm? Oh, God intended for good to save lives of many. See, Nebuchadnezzar was an unwitting pawn. He had no power by himself. The only power that King Nebo had was from the Lord God. Never got it from himself. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that. So let's look at some lessons that we have briefly out of this story that you can take your hands and put them on, carry them out the doors today. One, Sometimes faith in Jesus Christ means you must walk into the fire. Amen. Thank you. That's right. Sometimes faith in Jesus is going to call you to the moment where you have to walk into the fire. And I'm not just talking about difficult circumstances in your life. I'm talking about moments where your faith is on the line. And you're being pulled into culture. You're being pulled into the direction of the streams of consciousness that is the worldview that is out there. Contrary to the scripture. Contrary to the Lord our God and our creator. Sometimes you just have to walk into the fire. You may not know whether or not you're going to walk out. But you got to walk through it. Folks, there's no need to be offensive, defensive, or judgmental in your faith in Jesus Christ. One, I just want to clue you in here. Faith in Jesus Christ itself is offensive. Jesus himself was offensive. His loving kindness, his gentleness, his respect to the marginalized, the poor, the impoverished, the lame, the healing, the miraculous healing of of body and heart, the forgiveness of sins, that was offensive enough that they killed him. And notice the language that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. We don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. Quite frankly, I feel like sometimes the church thinks that they need to defend God. Folks, God's big enough 
He doesn't need us to defend him. He doesn't need you to defend him. And I've never seen anybody judge to Jesus. But what I have seen is people love to Jesus and come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because people loved. What God wants from you and me is to love people to him. To love the Lord our God, to love our neighbor as ourself. Faith in Jesus is lived together with the faith community. Over the course of Daniel, particularly the first few chapters, because at some point, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they kind of like disappear out of the story. But every time they're mentioned in the book of Daniel, guess what? They're mentioned together. They're mentioned in three, or they're mentioned in four. There's this belief that is beginning to pervade the culture within the church and outside of the church that I can believe in Jesus and not have to be a part of the church and not participate in the church or with the church. The fact is that our faith in Jesus Christ cannot be separated from the faith community in which he died, rose from the dead, and sent his spirit to birth. Your faith cannot be separated from the faith community. What happens is it isolates you and makes you very, very easy to pick off. We need one another. Oh, man, how we need one another. I sit with a group of pastors from our own community once a month. Because we can't be pastors and work in this capacity without people sharpening us. And every time I get up from that table, I'll get a text in a group text. Man, this is my favorite part of the month. Oh, how I needed that. Thank you guys so much. Folks, you need one another. And the mission doesn't happen by yourself. The mission happens as the body. And yes, we can trust that God is always with you. We don't need to ask him. If you have him in your life, guess what? He's living inside of you. And this is the cool thing about the kingdom of God. It has no boundaries. Right? The United States, we have boundaries. We have borders, right? Babylon had borders. Assyria had borders. Rome had borders. And what I find interesting in history is they're always trying to expand their borders. But they often get some of the, the, the land taken away. It's this constant movement. But the thing is, the kingdom of God has no borders at all, has no boundaries at all. Where you are is the kingdom of God because God is living inside of you. Therefore, we embrace exile. We take it on. And we go, where I am, I can worship God. 
but I need other people along with me to hold me up. I wonder if one of those men sat by himself and had to make the decision by himself. I don't know. Would we have this story? I would hope so. But trust that God is always with you. Whatever fire you walk through, that's crazy. But it's true. Lo, I am with you till the end of the age. Weren't there three men? Yeah, there were three men. But there were four. There were four. So, we're going to we're going to sing a song here. And as you've been processing this, I just invite you to wrestle with him. Maybe you're in a position right now where your faith is on the line and you're feeling pressure from somewhere, some way. I just invite you. Have a conversation with the Lord. There's nothing special about the altar, but there is something special about bending your knees, bending your heart and your head, posturing yourself before our Lord and our God. Oh, I'm a little behind. Sorry. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me, there was another in the water, holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there'll be another that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. All my debt left for dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. Should I open the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the sea Should I ever need reminding 
What power set me free? There is a grace that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me. There is another in the fire. There is another in the fire, oh, and I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between wears thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls close in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Cause I know that's where you'll be Cause I know that's where you'll be exile. Let go of the glory days. Move into the future. I'm struck by the fact that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they lived the rest of their life in exile. About 70 more years. Daniel was able to see the first group of people head back home to where they were no longer strangers in a strange land. But they lived in exile. You and I, it's time to embrace it and live our faith out regardless what's around us. Because there will come a day that Jesus will come back. Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment and this morning, this group of people. But more importantly, Jesus Christ, I thank you for you. Because you 
huh, you're good. You're holy. You're loving. And you love us. You love our neighbor. You love our community. You love the people of this world. Jesus, it's why you, you came. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever should believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. You love the people of this world. All of humanity. And I praise you for that. Lord, in the times that are going to be difficult, wherever they may be, and whatever it may be, Lord, may you rise us up so in those moments we can make the decision for the Lord our God rather than the culture, rather than the world, rather than whatever decree or government may it be. I love you, Jesus, and I I ask that you have your hand on these folks today. And I just want to ask real quick, if you are in one of those high-pressured situations, I just ask that you raise your hand. That's you. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Jesus, for those that, that just stepped in and said, here, I'm right there. I'm, I, I'm either at the top of the furnace getting ready to be thrown in or I'm in there. Jesus, I ask that your presence be very, very made known, very well known, manifested in their life in a very real way. You strengthen them to make the decision to step in their faith in the Lord God. May the scriptures be clear to them. Holy Spirit, will you gird them? We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for who you are. It's in your name that we ask today, Jesus. Amen. As you go, I just encourage you. Be loved people, loving people to Jesus. That's how people come to faith. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a great, great fourth. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.